What's up, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Hold the Lane. This is a podcast revolving mainly around the, the Call of Duty League and the excitement behind competitive Call of Duty, the esports scene that follows it, and some of the personalities as well. I'm your host, Dalton Floyd, and I'm just simply a 20, 21, almost 22-year-old college student just looking to make it in the esports scene. I'm hoping that this podcast can provide me with some sort of leverage in the future. You know, uh, I'm doing this mainly out of just passion and also for that leverage that I speak of. Um, my dream actually is to be a videographer for this for any CDL team one day. I have my favorites here and there, but I, I would just love to just get into the business any way that I can. But I'm currently going to college and majoring in uh, communication studies with a concentration in digital media. So video production is sort of my wheelhouse and I have a lot of experience in vlogging and creating short films and things of that nature. So I'm excited to, uh, to see what the future holds. And this is my first venture into a solo podcast. So not only is it really, really nerve wracking, but there's also a lot of pressure for me to perform and keep the, keep the momentum rolling with every single episode. So I'm really, really excited to sort of launch this and see where it takes me. And hopefully in the future, we can have guests on and things of that nature. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you what this podcast is all about. So specifically, this podcast will be about the Call of Duty League and the events, some of the home series, um, free agency, and sort of roster mania is what everybody in the Call of Duty scene calls it. When the offseason is happening and people are making trades and signing to new rosters and things of that nature. So we'll be covering uh, the CDL playoffs in this episode as well as championship weekend that will be happening next week and the week after. And so that's going to be a very, very exciting week for the Call of Duty League because it is the it's the biggest prize pool for any champs that has ever happened. So I'm really, really excited for that. Um, like I've said, this podcast has been something that I wanted to do for years now. Uh, it's mainly just because I'm infatuated with competitive Call of Duty. I'm really, really passionate about it. I've been passionate about it since like 2012. Really big fan. And through this podcast, I want to continue covering it the best way that I can instead of just talking about it with friends and you know friends online and friends in real life that sort of like vaguely follow it but not really I want to put out this podcast consistently and hope to sort of reach a new audience with competitive Call of Duty and see where it takes me in the future I hope to film it and you know put out both audio and video ver versions on my YouTube channel but for now, it's just going to be audio until I move back to school and hopefully get the equipment and sort of better setup, better better backdrop so that I can actually film the podcast. Um, yeah, I moved back to school on the 21st of August, so sometime around then will be when playoffs will be happening. So I'll have another episode going out the week after the 21st, um, the week following the 21st. So hopefully that one can be filmed, but... I'm not counting on it. I'm hoping to still get that set up soon after, though. So before we get specifically into the CDL playoffs and my predictions and coverage for that, I want to give a little bit of background about myself and why my opinion is even relevant or useful in these scenarios. Um, my background in Call of Duty specifically, before we get into competitive Call of Duty, is that I started in Black Ops 1, which is 2010 for anyone that doesn't keep track of their years by which Call of Duty was out at that time. I know that most Call of Duty players do that. It's it's sort of a weird like knack that we have, but started in Black Ops 1. It was my very first Call of Duty. Leading up to Black Ops 1 and the launch of it, I played one mission from the World at War campaign over and over and over again, just because I knew that my uncle had played World at War before, but I had never played the multiplayer. So I played the demo for World at War, one mission over and over and over again just to sort of uh get used to call of duty and like get my shot on and stuff like that i really didn't know anything about call of duty besides like it's a war game so i played that mission over and over and over again until december when at christmas i got black ops 1 for the ps3 and i ended up playing black ops 1 for two years because i played MW3 for like two months, and then I went back to Black Ops 1 because that's where all of my friends were. They stayed on Black Ops 1, and we played that for a second year. And then when Black Ops 2 came out, the third Treyarch title at that time, 
Uh, I played that for the majority of the year, not really knowing anything about Call of Duty. And that's when I sort of naturally came across Nadeshot. And Nadeshot grew his brand on Optic Gaming, as we all know. He's now the, the founder and I believe CEO as well of 100 Thieves, a really, really successful esports brand and um, even just a streetwear clothing brand as well. They're really popular for that uh, for that sense of their brand. I have one of their cream hoodies. Um, it's really cool to see how far 100 Thieves has come, and I hope that in the future they return to the competitive Call of Duty scene. But Nate Shot exposed me to the competitive Call of Duty scene in Black Ops 2 just simply from his Road to Master series and uh, Road to 100 O series and things like that. I didn't know anything about competitive Call of Duty outside of um, in Black Ops 1. I played one like scrim just for the fun of it because one of my friends knew more about game battles than I did. And it was like a CTF, so like it really wasn't even what I was supposed to be playing. If you're going to introduce somebody to competitive Call of Duty, you should probably start playing Search at first. That's just my opinion. But yeah, CTF, I guess... I guess respawns in general, excuse me, are an easy way for like pub players to sort of fall into the groove, I guess. Um, so naturally, I became an Optic Gaming fan. I became an Optic Gaming fan through Nashot, Big Timer, Merc, and Scump. That was like the OG roster for me, at least. And then when Merc got dropped in Black Ops 2, that was that was like the biggest drama topic that I had ever seen in, in competitive Call of Duty until that point. Um, Merc, Merc was known for his AR and, and anchoring skills. He was a really good AR player, probably like top three AR at the time, even though, and that's just my opinion, I'm not really sure about the stats on that, but he was really known for his coach Merc series where he would show people where to specifically stand or hold down a certain lane for anchoring, and you can sort of tell where I got my name for this podcast from. Um, if somebody has that name already, then uh, that's unfortunate. It just shows it just goes to show how bad I am at naming certain things. I'm I'm so bad with team names and podcast names and things of that nature. Radio show names. I've I've had a few of those in the past, and I don't know. Hopefully, this one actually is unique enough. I felt like it was unique, and I'm usually the main AR in my in my um like day-to-day play style on Call of Duty with my friends. We're playing Black Ops 4 for the second year now, so that's pretty much been my role for the past 10 years. Um, so yeah, I was an Optic Gaming fan, but by the end of Black Ops 2, I really enjoyed rooting for the underdog teams. By the end of Black Ops 2, we saw the rise of VVV Gaming, uh, which eventually turned into Team Caliber because Sharp, Theory, and Gunjar, I believe, were the three were the three people from that team. I don't know if Nezlo was on VVV or not, but those core three, Sharp, Theory, and Nezlo, at least, uh, they went over to Team Caliber, joined eventually by Gunjar, by Gunjar, and Team Caliber was like the biggest underdog team that we had ever seen so far. Uh, many many second place second place finishes, and it was really cool to see them perform. Competitive Call of Duty and Black Ops 2 was so much fun to watch, and it was so much fun to play as well. Treyarch games are just the best for that. And then there was also another team called Radius Gaming that didn't even stay around for that long. I know it was like Huddle, Slacked, and then two other people that I can't remember. But they were a team that sort of came out of nowhere, and I really enjoyed the branding of that team. Like it, They had a cool look. I enjoyed the name, and... Like I said, I, I like rooting for underdog teams, so I was like really, really excited to hop on that train. And since Black Ops 2, um, I sort of vaguely followed the scene in Ghost. Ghost was a really fun time to follow the scene, specifically because Search and Destroy was so good. And then Nate Shot became popular again for how good he was at Blitz. Blitz was a very interesting game mode. I hope it doesn't come back, but it was really fun to watch. And... Clay eventually moved to Team Caliber for a little bit, so that was interesting. And then he eventually hopped on Optic Gaming. Um, I didn't really watch that much competitive Call of Duty in Advanced Warfare. I don't know what I did in the year of Advanced Warfare because I don't I don't remember like any of the events or I only remember the the X Games event where I think Optic won that. 
with like I don't even know who's on it honestly. Nate shot formal. It, it, I, I don't even know that roster honestly. I didn't watch much of Advanced Warfare. I just know that who won champs that year, and some of the videos from like Scum's channel. So I sort of like tuned out for that year. I don't really have much of that memory there. And then after that, we saw the rise of another Treyarch game. I'm just a huge Treyarch fan when it comes down to it. Black Ops 3 was a really fun year for me. Although I believe they had an online an online league, uh, some of the pros still prefer that online league to what we have now, where you host the games yourself instead of hosting it on a certain server in a city. Some pros prefer the Black Ops 3 online, online league. But I just, even though I'm not a fan of jetpacks, Black Ops 3 was a really, really fun game because of the weapon, uh, weapon meta, the variety of weapons that you could use. The ban and protect wasn't the best, but it provided for some interesting scenarios when certain teams would ban certain things because they've been scouting a player, player or team. And that was fun. So then I guess we can just skip all the way to Black Ops 4 because IW was fun to watch and Optic did win champs on that, but it wasn't really that great of a game for competitive. So Black Ops 4 was really, really fun because as you know, huge fan of Nate Shot. He's like the biggest person that inspired me uh, to even watch competitive Call of Duty and now to start this podcast. Uh, 100 Thieves, when Black Ops 3 was around, they didn't really have that much of a like huge success because 100 Thieves hadn't really established themselves as, as a brand yet. So after they established themselves, here they come in Black Ops 4 with a vengeance. I guess I sort of forgot about World War II where Kenny and Pharaoh really stepped up on their respective teams, and they uh, showed up on Black Ops 4. Pharaoh obviously eventually gets dropped, and we see the, the rise of Priesta and Crowder as the coach. It was a really, really fun roster to watch. I hope that at least some of them reunite in the next Treyarch game, which I believe is going to be called Black Ops Cold War. But that was a really fun year. I ended up going to both the World War II CWL Anaheim and the 2019 Black Ops 4 CWL Anaheim. And both were really, really fun to watch. The World War II CWL Anaheim, we got to play Black Ops 4 early, and I saw Optic get knocked out of that tournament, which was insane. They got knocked out by Unilad. I even remember what map it was on. It was Search and Destroy Game 5, uh, St. Marie Dumont. That was... A fun map to play search on, but it was also, that game was really, really weird because of how Dead Silence worked. They didn't really have a Dead Silence perk, but they had other perks that sort of mimicked it a little bit. They weren't really, like, they weren't really Dead Silence, but they weren't really anything different. It was just really hard. It was a really hard thing to get used to. But many oddball plays made by people in Optic Gaming, which eventually led to their uh, elimination by Unilad. And that was interesting. Uh, it was really fun playing Black Ops 4 early. I met a lot of fun friends, uh, or a lot of good friends from that from that play session, uh, and people that I still talk to to this day. And in the, in the Black Ops 4 CWL Anaheim, um, I saw 100 Thieves win that, obviously. They had a really good run. Many, many great games, even from OpTic. Um, even though I, I root against them nowadays, uh, now the Chicago Huntsman. I root against them just because of their fan base, obviously. I still respect everybody on the team, but they they had a really good weekend as well. I hope that we I hope that we return to the the old format with sixteen teams and uh, four groups of pool play, but I guess I can talk about that later. But that's pretty much my background and the experience that I have in competitive Call of Duty. And if if anyone ever has any more questions and something that that I should elaborate on, definitely find a way to contact me. You know, tweet me at Dalton Floyd 67. I can always link that in whatever description I will be posting this on. Uh, one of my favorite memories from that entire recap that I just talked about is that in Black Ops 2, League Play, although the system wasn't really like the most efficient thing ever, um, I still remember League Play was very infamous for if you get down a little bit, if you lose the lead a little bit, people tend to back out. And I had a particular friend that I was playing with at the time, and two teammates backed out. So we were in a 2v4, 
and it was hard point on raid i believe and although it was 2v4 we st we stayed in there i still do this to this day on black ops 4 but in black ops 2 it was like my first like adrenaline rushing moment and we stayed in the game it was on raid we like posted up in the garage and just held off this team for a little bit and it was sort of like a respect thing because we held them off so well that uh, after the game was over it was like uh it was like a trade around of ggs after the game was over so although that sounds kind of cheesy and corny uh it was a fun time like i still remember that moment to this day like i have so many memories in life obviously but so many of them that come from call of duty like I didn't even talk about, like, I've only talked about competitive Call of Duty in this. I have a huge history of watching old school Call of Duty commentators in Black Ops 1 and 2. And don't even, get, don't even get me started on the names in that one, you know. I could go, I could go for another hour of this podcast just talking about stories from old school commentators and things like that. Just to throw out a few names, some people that still put out content to this day. You know, you have Woody's Gamertag, Whiteboy 7th Street. Uh, Xjaws, who I actually met at the World War II Anaheim. He was a really cool guy in person. Um, I think he's off the, the weird path that he got on shortly after he quit YouTube. So it was definitely cool to see him in person and talk to him a little bit. Talk about those White Boy 7th Street vlogs that I, I watched him in most of the time. People always picked a side back, in, back then. And I was definitely on the White Boy side, but I still watched some of Xjaws' videos. Um, it's cool to see him active on Twitter these days too. You have Onslaught and Dunkus and so many awesome creators. T Martin still puts out so many videos a day now. He's still on his grind. Um, a lot of people, a lot of old school commentators still putting out content, but some of them sort of fell to the wasteland shortly after that, that like surge in content was over in Black Ops 1. So now that we have that taken care of basically my background in call of duty and i might always revisit that in future episodes if it's if it's necessary but now that we have it over with i'm going to talk about cdl playoffs and cdl uh champs weekend if it comes down to it and my predictions we're going to be mainly co covering playoffs but we'll eventually get to like my bracket predictions for champs weekend um i just want to focus on playoffs because it'll be week one and Champs Weekend will be week two, where I'll probably revisit that in a second episode. So there's a lot of interesting matchups in this first round. Uh, we're going to be doing this over the course of uh, two days, mainly. Um, Wednesday and Thursday, the 19th and the 20th, will be Paris Legion versus the Seattle Surge. And then the second game on Wednesday, I believe, it'll be... OGLA, Optic Gaming Los Angeles versus the Los Angeles Gorillas. And then Thursday, we'll have London Royal Ravens versus the, the Toronto Ultra. And then the second match of that week, or that day actually, will be the New York Subliners versus Minnesota Rocker. And there's a lot of stories behind each of these matches. I'm going to go through them kind of briefly because I've taken up so much time already. And I don't want this to go on any longer than it has to. But Starting with the first game, Paris Legion versus the Seattle Surge. It's no, it's no secret this, that the Seattle Surge is underperforming for this entire season. I believe that they only have 50 points in the CDL, 50 um, CDL points, I think they're technically, technically called. Um, some of their keys to victory have been literally somebody help Octane, because Octane, I believe, either leads the CDL in KD or he's like top two or three. I think the last time I checked, he had a 1.24 KD, and I actually have it right here in my notes. Um, just on the Seattle Surge alone, you have Octane at a 1.24, Slacked at a 0.94, Apathy at a 0.96, Proto at a 0.84, and then Pander at a 0.90. Um, some of these some of these players obviously were brought up after Karma, Karma retired, and then also after Enable got benched. But I don't know. It's an interesting situation because Modern Warfare hasn't really had the best competitive season with some of the meta that has been shown to us and the meta, the way that it's been shifted in certain scenarios. So Octane's always been like a top two, top three AR over the past five years or four years, maybe. I know that he was really good in Black Ops 3 as well on LG. So 
it's it's really good that he's still staying on top. He's basically in the prime of his career, uh, falling off from Black Ops Four, and hopefully, hopefully improving in the Black Ops Cold War season. I have some predictions on that, on what he should do, but I'll talk about that right after I cover this match. So, their last matchup was way back in April, April 10th actually, at the Dallas Home Series, and in that particular matchup. Paris went to a Game 5 with Seattle, and they 3-2'd them. Game 1, uh, Seattle won the hard point, 250-171. In the search and destroy, Paris won the search, uh, 6-1. Game 3, Seattle uh, beat Paris, 163-154 in the domination. Game 4, Paris won the hard point, 250-164. And then the Game 5 went all the way to around 11 Six five. So this was all the way back in April, obviously. The meta has changed a little bit since then. Uh, I think the meta for Modern Warfare has basically went from it, it went from like a two AR to a three maybe. And then I know that the SMG sort of rose up a little bit, and the MP the MP fives got really strong. And so those were those were really relevant for a long time. And then eventually, within these past few months, we've went back to a three AR meta. When no one really knew what was going to happen with the meta, things just sort of went back to a 3AR meta. And obviously, now that we're deep into the, the coverage here, um, for anyone that isn't familiar about the Call of Duty League, it's been through many iterations since we've seen what we have now. So obviously, it started out as Major League Gaming. Major League Gaming was sort of like a startup on its own, and since then... Uh, in the Black Ops 3 season, actually, they moved to the Call of Duty World League, the CWL. And after that, um, actually this year, obviously, um, I say obviously a lot, but I just, I know that to a competitive Call of Duty fan, some of these things are going to be simple. But I want to try to reach new audiences with this podcast. So that's why I'm going to try to break these things down. Um, in the Modern Warfare 2019 season, we officially moved to a franchise league with the Call of Duty League. So. Just to throw that out there for anyone that's listening and doesn't really know much about the scene and they're just listening because either they're friends of mine or uh, things of that nature. A franchise league just simply means that there are city-based teams instead of just random teams owned by brands. So yeah, in my notes here, I've basically said that the meta has had many shifts since April and although the stats may not necessarily reflect it, both teams have definitely improved as of late. Although the Seattle Surge only have about 50 pro points, um, they've definitely improved. Like, they haven't just stayed stagnant. Although they haven't won any events or had, like, long runs, each match has been pretty close for the most part. They've had some some very close upsets against teams like the Atlanta Phase, uh, Paris, obviously, way back in April, and more teams as of late. Paris actually made a really deep run recently against the Dallas Empire. I believe it wasn't at the most recent event, but it was at the one before that, I think. Um, They made a deep run and then eventually lost to the Dallas Empire. I think that was a 3-0 or 3-1. But uh, actually, I have it right here. Paris made a really good loser's bracket run at the London, London Home Series. They defeated teams like the LA Gorillas, New York Subliners, which was a really huge team, and they're going to have probably a pretty good champs run. London, and then they fell 3-0 to Dallas in the Grand Finals. And then I said that Seattle has definitely improved in some areas of the game, but the narrative basically for this entire year has been Octane is outperforming most of the, the entire CDL, while his team can't do enough to support it. I know that a lot of people make a case for Enable and the the sort of asset assets that he brings to the team. And he definitely brought a lot to 100 Thieves when he was playing in Black Ops 4. But it just seems like he sort of fell off even more in Modern Warfare. And maybe that was for the better because of the way that the game plays and the way that most pros don't even like the game to begin with. Obviously, it's their job, but uh, the game... And the developer don't really support competitive to begin with. I know that they try to like put on the front that they do, but it's just an interesting situation. Um, for this particular series at Champs, I believe that it's going to be a 3-1 for Paris. Um, 
in that one map for Seattle, honestly, it's just sort of a, a pity map just because I, I think that in this game, it's it's hard to have many 3-0s just because I know that the domination is a really easy way for not-so-great teams to, to sort of steal a respawn. It's way easier to steal a domination than it was to steal a control in Black Ops 4. Black Ops 4 was a... Or control in Black Ops 4 was a much better game mode than the the old domination. Like, domination is just not a good competitive game mode. Uh, even in Ghost, I don't remember it being that great. Um, so that's my prediction for that particular match. And the next one that we have here on the bracket is Optic Gaming LA versus the LA Gorillas at 4.30, closely or shortly following that first matchup. And the last matchup between these two teams was April 25th at the Chicago Home Series. I believe this was the first Home Series that was actually played online, I think. And in this particular Home Series, OGLA still had the old roster with Dashy and JCap, so the, the roster looks way different at this point. But in this particular one way back, the, way back at the Chicago Home Series, uh, LAG 3-1 to OGLA. And some of the respawns were close, but in the end, they weren't really that close. Obviously, only four maps. Um, the hard point was close, and then everything else after that wasn't really that close. L OGLA took the respawn, uh, not the respawn, but they took the domination. So, like I said, it's most of the time it's usually pretty easy for one of the most underperforming teams to steal the domination just because of the way the domination plays out. But um, it's still interesting. So since that particular home series, OGLA has made significant roster changes. They dropped Dashy and benched him. It, you can't really say dropped in uh, this stage of the game because there's such a deep bench on these teams that you just have to stay benched. So Dashy got benched, and then eventually JCap as well. And OGLA picked up two amateur players in the in the likes of Hollow and Draza. And uh, since the season, or for the overall season, we have KDs for all these players. And obviously, Hollow and Draza have only played like two events, I believe. So Slasher sitting at a 1.09 KD, Kenny at a 0.93, Hollow at a 0.96. Draza at a point ninety seven and the TJ at a point ninety. So Hollow and Draza are sort of flirting with that one uh, KD, but Slasher is obviously outperforming everybody else because he is the main AR, I believe. And they've definitely gotten better with this new lineup, just because you can you can tell that they're a little they're a little more hungry than they used to be, uh, hungrier and things of that nature. Uh, two amateur players wanting to perform on the pro scene. They're getting their first bat at champs like a month before, you know, getting picked up a month before champs. It's pretty, pretty crazy. So that was one of the things that Slasher talked about on the podcast is that he respects he respects the drive and the motivation to play a lot more than like past accolades. And I think that was pretty respectful. A uh, really cool thing to see him say. Moving over... Moving over to the overall KDs for the Los Angeles Gorillas, we have Vivid at a point eighty six, Aqua at a point ninety six, Blast at a point or one point zero nine, Saints at a point eighty nine, and then Decimate at a point ninety eight. So you have guys like Aqua and Decimate sort of flirting with that one KD, but Blast uh, is the one outperforming the team with that one point zero nine KD. And big shout out to one of the phase coaches and analysts, Easy Mac for having these stats uh, for everyone to access in the first place. That's where I got all of these KDs, and I got the stats for the past home series and the past matchups on the actual Call of Duty League website. So if you ever want to look at the way the last home series have went down, some of the teams that have matched up and the series scores and things of that nature, there's also a direct link to the VOD, um, the video on demand of that, of that last series, they're also on the Call of Duty League website. It's simply just callofdutyleague.com, and then you can see everything everything involving the entire league on that website. So, I don't know. LAG, they sort of have the narrative that uh, they're really good at search, but that even that has sort of fallen off in the past two months. So, 
Um, I have in my notes here that LAG has been a really fun team to, to at least pay attention to this season. They're not necessarily a team to root for just because of how how poorly they're playing in the CDL and how low on the rankings they are, but they're definitely a fun team to watch, and maybe they pull out a win here and there. I have in my notes again that they're a very like hit-or-miss team. Uh, they've been praised this season again for their S&D game, but even then they've recently fallen off in that aspect of the game. Um, moving over to OGLA and sort of a breakdown of their team. The pickups in Hollow and Jaraza, they definitely impressed me since they were picked up recently. And, you know, since they got picked up in the most, like, last two home series, it might have even been the most recent one. I'm not really sure. Um, They took Florida to a game five, and then they even 3-1 Chicago Huntsman. So those are two huge accolades to have as, like, a brand-new team, basically taking Florida, one of the best teams in the CDL, to a game five and almost beating them. I think it went all the way to around 11, but I'm not positive. I remember watching it live, and I I was just eager to see what Holland Draza could do in those scenarios. And then they 3-1 Chicago in what was probably like one of the biggest upsets in the entire season with how stacked Chicago is and really like not like not that stacked of an OGLA team. It's pretty crazy. I think the last map was like a gun runner hard point if I if I believe um they did 3-1 them so there was a game four I think it might have been a gun runner but I'm not positive so for the OGLA and LAG series I'm gonna go ahead and predict a 3-1 for OGLA and they'll be moving on OGLA and the uh, the LAG obviously start in the losers bracket so with this 3-1 from OGLA it would completely completely knock out the gorillas from the entire champs and playoffs run so Looking on forward to Black Ops Cold War for them. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, moving on to Thursday, August 20th, 2020. Winners round one. We'll have London Royal Ravens sitting at 12 and 16 in the CDL versus the Toronto Ultra sitting at 12 and 14. And their last matchup was way back in February at the London Home Series LAN event. This is back when we still had LANs. And... In that particular series, London 3-1 Toronto, and I think both of those teams have made significant roster changes since then. I know that London has picked up zero. Um, they've sort of swapped out some players here and there, but um, they like it's even it's hard to keep up or it's hard to keep track of like who was even playing at the time because of how crazy these roster changes have been. But let's see. I'm just looking at my notes here, and uh, since since they have completely different rosters now, outside of scrims, it's almost basically like these teams have never played before. Um, going into this playoffs and champs weekend, yeah, it's basically like they've never played before on a particular event just because of how crazy these rosters have been. I believe that the current lineup for Toronto is Bantz, Cami, Classic, Kleenex, and Methods, and the only players above a 1KD on that team are Cami and Methods. Methods has actually really performed this season. He's been one of the more reliable players for Toronto. Um, Toronto just recently won their their own home series. Uh, they 3-2'd OGLA in a game five, 3-2 Chicago, 3-1 Dallas, and then finally um, in the grand finals, they took Atlanta Face to a game five, and Methods got a nice 1v2 to end the game and knock Atlanta out of the home series so with how close both of these games are both of these teams play other teams in the cdl i see it going really close i see it going down to the wire uh on the london kds the only players above a one kd are the twins the twins of rut weskin and scraps so they've been one of the more underrated teams this entire season uh weskin has been amazing with the sniper like he's been obviously the star player when last year it would have been Dylan because Dylan had an amazing Black Ops 4 season. And Weskin, Weskin with his snipes, it's absolutely insane. I remember like his best snipe play so far has been on Piccadilly. And I don't even know what home series it was, but uh, like if I had to take a guess, it was probably against the Minnesota Rocker. But he he got like a 1v4 well, the whole team was up, but he, he shot he sniped like right off the bat of the round, 
he sniped four different players on the other team and then didn't get to finish off the last one. But like some of the shots that he hit on those four players were just absolutely insane. So because of how good he is in both search and destroy and even as like an AR and respawn games, I think it's going to go down to the wire with these teams. But even then, I'm still going to go out on a limb and say, I think that it's going to go to a 3-2 for Toronto. I think that Toronto has really just stepped it up lately. Kleenex is the star for me, but I know that stats-wise, it's probably Methods that does a lot of the dirty work. Um, I know Kleenex is probably what you would consider like the entry SMG for most of these scenarios. So being an entry SMG, your role is really, really hard on the team. You know, it's, there's a lot relying on you and your teammates to sort of get your trades if you if you do go down. But if you win your entry gunfights, that's just even better for your team because then you get control of the objectives and just simply take over the game at that point. And Kleenex has managed to do that in some of these more recent events. It's been interesting to see. I've seen him go on like 12 kill streaks and things like that. So it's it's definitely interesting. So I think Toronto's going to pull out with that one, which would knock the London War Ravens down to loses loses bracket, and they would face uh, they would not face Optic, but they would face Paris or Seattle, and in my scenario, they would face the Paris Legion. Um, and then let's see, the next match after that on Thursday is going to be the New York Subliners, who are sitting at thirteen and seventeen versus the Minnesota Rocker sitting at 11 and 13. Uh, their last matchup was pretty recently compared to some of these other matches. It was on July 10th at the New York home series. Uh, New York subliners eventually won the entire thing by 3-0ing the Huntsman, but in this particular series, they 3-1 the Minnesota Rocker. Um, Minnesota Rocker, again, is one of those teams that have made significant roster changes in the past few months, uh, really just in the past few weeks. Um, they picked up a Exceed in place of Goddard-X. Goddard-X has sort of fallen off since the Switch to online. Not so much because of his own play style, but the, the team itself, they've really fallen off and not caught up to other teams since the Switch to online. Uh, at this July 10th series in question, where they last matched up against each other, the New York Subliners 3-1 Minnesota Rocker, and... The hard point really wasn't that close. The search was a 6-3. The domination really wasn't that close. Uh, Minnesota did win the search, by the way. And then the game four hard point, uh, New York basically blew them out. I don't know how the game like went specifically as far as were the hills close, but for the final score, it wasn't really that close. It was pretty much identical to the game one. So as far as the KDs go... The New York subliners are looking pretty good as far as the KDs. There's four players with over one KD, with Mac having the best KD. And, you know, it's not really that much of a surprise, but Zuma is sitting at a .98 just because he mainly does most of the dirty work on the team, you know, hitting the flanks, um, being that submachine gun player for most of the hills and most of the games. And then over on the side of the Minnesota Rocker, um, you don't have that many players necessarily outperforming the entire team or the entire league like Octane did on the Seattle Surge, but Alex is sitting at a 1.0 KD, and you know he's had recent recent drama with his injuries and things like that, but he has since recovered, and you know he's playing at a good level now. And then Assault, the main AR on the team, he's sitting at a 1.13 KD, so. Looking at KDs alone and some of the more recent accolades and match wins, the New York subliners are obviously looking like the better team going into champs, but um, it's champs weekend. It's playoffs. Anything can really happen. That's why it's the hardest thing to sort of predict. Um, bringing Mac in definitely catapulted the New York subliners, though. Uh, catapulted their team to new heights. It's a very talented roster that um, I said here in my notes that they shouldn't be looked down upon in any way. They could beat any of the best teams right now on any given day. And I think that applies to most teams, but not necessarily all of the teams for this for this playoffs week and champs weekend. Uh, on the other hand, Minnesota are still trying to find themselves. I have here in my notes that it's not so much the shift online that has really hurt their team, but 
you see this every single year with Call of Duty. You see it every year. Uh, at the beginning of the game, there's always one team that sort of shoots out at the beginning and learns the game faster than anybody else. And I think that was the Minnesota Rocker. I think that was the Minnesota Rocker just because they were sort of like the dark horse team that for every single uh, homestand or home series, everyone was always like, I think Minnesota could take this one. I, I've seen them or I've at least heard about them performing well in scrims um, in their past home series. They've they've had some close matches. They're looking great. Alex is doing great. Goddard was having an MVP season at the beginning of the season. And since then, not so much. So, yeah, like I said, recently they've benched Goddard and they've brought in Exceed to sort of speed up their, their team a little bit. One of the biggest reasons they said that they benched Goddard is because um, he sort of slowed their team down a little bit just because of the way that he plays with an AR or with a sniper in search. Um, I believe he's the sniper in search, at least. Um, he sort of slowed the pace of their team down. And with the way that the game is played nowadays, you don't really you don't really want that. So although most teams say it anyway, and Chicago Huntsmen at least have proof of it because they stream scrims, um, they've been saying they've been performing well in scrims with like really, really good map counts. And if I was them, I would say it if we were losing them anyway, but nobody's really called them out for it yet. So I think it's at least somewhat true. And I guess we'll find out at these, at this, um, playoffs a week, just some, just some like notable stats on exceed, just because I know that most people don't really know about exceed or at least have heard the name, but don't really know what he's all about. He's a 19-year-old pro player, or I guess former amateur player, just because he's recently been called up. 19 years old. His most notable achievements were in the Black Ops 4 season, from what I can tell, where he placed 5th through 6th at CWL Amateur Finals with Chino, a notable pro player, Proto, who is now in the Seattle Surge, Tommy, a substitute player for the Dallas Empire, and Lenny, who I'm not that familiar with. Um, he also placed ninth through 12th at champs with the same lineup. So definitely an interesting lineup. Uh, very, I mean, not, not bad placings for the, for that particular team. Um, so it's only looking up from here for exceed. If I'm Goddard X, I know that, that move was made out of like just pure concern for the team. But this close to champs, although he would get some of the money if they just get knocked out immediately, or like losing lose two matches immediately, he's not going to get a ton if they win their first match against the New York, the New York Subliners. So being benched this close to champs is such like a punch in the gut. So moving into next season, I can't see him staying on the Minnesota Rocker, and although that that's going to be a big hit to them in my opinion. I, it's going to really shake up some of the rosters in the CDL, especially if the league is, expands. And I can't wait to talk about that in future episodes. Like I could talk about hopes for the next season and the league expanding for hours on end. I'm really, really excited to be back on a Treyarch game. I, I really can't wait to have good maps, good gun metas, a, a developer that supports competitive. I could go on all day about that. So I think Goderex is going to find a different home in the Black Ops Cold War season, but who or what team he lands on, that'll be the question. Regardless, for this New York Subliners matchup, I have a 3-1 prediction for the New York Subliners. I think they're going to come out hot, start out hot, and 3-1 the Minnesota Rocker. So moving on from that, uh, it's going to be pretty interesting because... Um, my predictions sort of shake up the bracket a little bit. So while I talk about the next matches, I'm going to find my actual predictions where the Call of Duty League is actually running a perfect bracket, um, a perfect bracket-like challenge where the best bracket is going to win $10,000 and a perfect bracket, sort of like March Madness, a perfect bracket bracket is going to win $100,000. So a perfect bracket... Again, much like March Madness, is very, very hard to do, like borderline impossible to do. So if somebody actually does do that, that's going to be absolutely insane. But 
if that doesn't happen, it's going to come down to the best bracket, which that person would win $10,000. And, um, you know, if that happened to me, that's that's going to be obviously the, the biggest highlight of 2020 for, for anyone, really. So I just brought up my bracket here. And I'll talk about I'll brief I'll briefly run through some of the other matches just because uh, I don't want to completely um, like blow the entire predictions. I'll just go through all the predictions up until I believe Friday. I think that'll be the best way to do it. Friday or Saturday, maybe just through the entire playoffs week. Um, but yeah, so I guess we can just get into it. So I had the the New York Subliners three winning Minnesota Rocker, and then on Saturday, August twenty first, which actually it's not Saturday, that's Friday. Um, Friday, August twenty first, which is actually the same day that I moved back to college, and sort of I'm gonna have a better setup as far as audio and video goes, but I'll also be around friends again. So I can't I can't wait to move back to college, even though COVID nineteen restrictions are gonna be in play, and I, I can't say I'm looking forward to how that's going to go. But regardless, I'm moving back on that day at like 9 a.m., so it's going to be really fun. Chicago is going to be facing off against the New York Subliners, and although the Chicago Huntsmen have a really stacked lineup, I'm going out on a limb and saying that it's going to go to a Game 5, and the New York Subliners are going to completely uh, win that Game 5 and take over the Chicago Huntsmen, knocking Chicago down to the loser's bracket, which would give Chicago sort of an easy run after that. But I don't know. I guess we'll see how, how it goes down. The next match after that will be Florida versus either London or Toronto. And based off of my predictions, it'll be Toronto, which I think that Toronto is going to take Florida all the way to a game five, much like that Chicago and New York series. I think Florida is going to win in a 3-2 versus the Toronto Ultra and move on to winners round three, knocking Toronto into the losers bracket in um, losers bracket round three. So those are going to be two really, really big matchups. Um, let's see. I'll look at the schedule again just to make sure I know what I'm looking at. Uh, most of the matches after that are going to be sort of up in the air, but just to um, completely go through the next, um, I guess we'll do elimination round two and round three, just to sort of get those out of the way, and then I'll, I'll start closing up the podcast here, and if I miss any, and there are games that are played, or matches that are played, and I'm not really sure, sh- uh, okay, I see, I see it now, on my bracket builder, it's sort of clear on which matches are going to be played on which days, um, elimination round two will have Minnesota Rocker versus Optic Gaming, I have here my prediction that Minnesota, just, just based off of their scrim, like, reports, which don't really hold a lot of weight. I'm going to say that Minnesota is going to 3-1 Optic Gaming. It's going to be my luck that they'll go to a game 5 and 3-2 them, but we'll see how it goes. I think that the, the, the London Royal Ravens are going to go to a game 5 against the Paris Legion and 3-2 them. Although the Paris have had a great run recently, uh, just recently going to the Grand Finals against the Dallas Empire, something about it just really makes... It makes me want the London Royal Ravens to have a good run. I want Weskin and Scraps to have a good champs run. Uh, they haven't had a ton of success in the past winning events, so if they can just get somewhat deep into this event, I'll, I'll be happy about it. Um, in elimination round three, we'll have the Toronto Ultra versus Minnesota Rocker. Um, I I don't think that Minnesota with even exceed. I don't think that they're as good as the Toronto Ultra. So I think that the Toronto Ultra is going to 3-1 Minnesota Rocker. And then uh, moving into Chicago Huntsman versus the London Royal Ravens, I I have here that Chicago is going to 3-1 the London Royal Ravens. Chicago's sling power is really, really good in the respawn game modes, especially with the ARs of Formal and RCDs. Uh, their sling power is very, very good, and it's something that I don't think that the London Royal Ravens can keep up with. So just bluntly putting it like that, I think that's how the series is going to go. And let's see. Uh, let's see. Championship weekend. Um, winners round three. This isn't a part of championship weekend, but the the schedule is a little bit confusing. Um, let me just confirm it over here. 
Yeah, they, oh, let's see, championship weekend. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be way more clear once we get closer to those particular matches. But I'm just gonna blow through. Let's see, winners round three, and then I'll go ahead and talk about elimination round four, just to have my predictions out there. Just sort of throw out the predictions in case the matches happen and this podcast doesn't like line up with the matches that are going on right now. So making it all the way to winners round three, I have Atlanta Phase in their first match of the entire champs like event versus the new the New York Subliners. And with how good Phase is, although they've been struggling a, a bit recently, I have them winning in a three one fashion against the New York Subliners. Some of these predictions are sort of out there, but I think that you have to have some oddball predictions to get a near-perfect bracket for this champs. It's champs. It's CDL champs. Literally anything could happen. We've seen some of the biggest upsets in competitive Call of Duty at champs. Uh, (laughs) For Optic fans, think all the way back to Black Ops 3 champs, where they placed 7th, I believe, I think against Cloud9, and Cloud9 knocked them out. It was the biggest 1v1 of most Optic Gaming fans' careers. Formal versus Lacefield, I believe. I think that's what it was. And that was an absolutely crazy search and destroy. So we've seen a ton of upsets over the past few years. Um, So I have Atlanta Phase winning in a 3-1 fashion. Shortly after that, in the winners round three, I have Dallas Empire with their history against the Florida Mutineers. I have them winning and beating the Florida Mutineers in winners round three in a 3-0 fashion. So I'm only going to cover elimination round four just because I don't know how far playoffs is going to specifically go. Um, So we have the New York Subliners, and this is also the last two matches that I'll talk about. Uh, We have the New York Subliners versus the Toronto Ultra, and with how good the Subliners are, I I just can't see it going any further than a 3-1 in the subliners' favor. So we have that. And then the Florida Mutineers versus the Chicago Huntsmen. Like I said, Chicago, not only with their fan base, but with how stacked their team is. Uh, Florida has had some great online events in the past, but it's just, I don't think it's going to be enough to put out the, the Chicago Huntsmen just yet. I don't think Chicago is going to win champs, but I don't think they're going to be knocked out by a team like the Florida Mutineers. Um, so those are the matches, and those are my predictions. Uh, some of the early matches more in-depth than others, and I hope that I win that $10,000. Whoever wins that 10000 is going to be a lucky person because I think this is the first time that they've ever done this, and it's really, really cool. I think they should do it more often. Uh, maybe not more often, but they should do it every single year with champs just because it's very hard to get champs predictions right. Um, the biggest like change with this champs weekend is not only the bracket and how that works and how long champs is going to be, but also with grand finals. Grand finals is going to be played in a best of nine series, a best of nine series. So that means you have to win five maps to win the entire event. And in the past few years, in most events of Call of Duty, you have to win two best of fives when you come from the loser's bracket. And the only change that's going to be happening when we see it at champs finals or grand finals at this champs weekend is that the winner's bracket team is going to go up by one map immediately just from just by coming from the winner's bracket. So <laughs> with that being the only match of the entire day, a best of nine series, which I have here is probably going to be Atlanta versus Dallas. That's going to be an interesting match to watch with not only how long it's going to be, but just I, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but obviously I hope for a better format next year. Um, I'm going to do a future episode on this in in, in future episodes. Ah, I'm just stumbling over my words. I'm going to do a future episode about the, the next season of competitive Call of Duty and the next season of the Call of Duty League. And just to throw out a few of my hopes, I, they're pretty much like verbatim from Skump's video about this. I hope that the league expands to 16 teams. I know that Rise Nation is wanting to get into the CDL and sort of, you know, try their hand at this. I know that Looney and Gunless have sort of hinted at teaming again on Rise. Um, I hope that Slasher doesn't go into that little 
foray or whatever you want to call it of um, players that are going to go back on rise. I don't want to see that team reunite just because I know that Slasher is better than that and could find success in other ways. But I know Rise is interested. I don't think 100 Thieves are, I don't think 100 Thieves is going to come back anytime soon, but that would be awesome if they somehow came back. I think the only way that they could come back is if they bought one of the LA spots. Um, but I think regardless, the league does need to expand to 16 teams. 16 teams, which would make each event have four groups of pool play, and then the top two teams from each group move on to a double elimination bracket play with the two best of fives being the grand final decision. So I'm personally really, really excited for CDL playoffs and champs weekend. No matter how the season has gone so far or no matter how the bracket is set up or the way that the format is, I know that it's not ideal. I know that it's not what Call of Duty fans are looking for right now. And I think they're only going to improve with the next Treyarch game because Treyarch has always been devoted to improving the competitive scene. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be obviously back at college on the third day of playoffs. So I'm still going to be tuned in, but it's it's going to be a busy weekend for me. And it's going to be a busy champs weekend as well. So I'll still find time to watch all these matches and watch every single one that I can. I'm going to be locked in for as long as I can. But it's going to be a fun event. It's going to be the last event of the Modern Warfare season. We're in pretty much mid-August right now, and we're trying to get hype for the next Black Ops game. So I hope you guys are just as excited for the next Call of Duty as I am and for this Playoffs and Champs weekend. If there's anything that I can do to improve the podcast, please let me know. Please tweet me at DaltonFloyd67. Um, I'm doing this solo to start out with just because I've had some like I've had some trouble finding a co-host and you know the co-hosts that I found they're just you know too busy to sort of do this at the moment and I need to put out content you know um, in the past like two years I've only put out content when it's for a class project so obviously I need to do it more often. And this podcast is a way for me to to sort of refine my skills that I've been learning from not only school but just online. You know, I do a lot of I do a lot of consumption. I do a lot of media consumption, whether that be through podcasts like David Dobrik, Gary V, or uh, the De- the Deadlock podcast. Many famous podcasts out there, whether it be through them or through many many content creators on YouTube. I think that through this podcast, I can start to refine my skills a little more and just put out something that I'm proud of each and every day. Um, if you stuck around for this long, the logo that that is in my Anchor page and will eventually be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the logo and graphic for Hold the Lane is just a placeholder until I find something a little better. Um, the logo I'm not as interested in, but I will definitely improve that in the future. Uh, the way that I found out the name, the way that I made the name for this podcast, it's a lot similar to how Hex um, thought of the Chicago Huntsman name. It was pretty much just like a, a slot machine at the casino. Um, you spin the, or you pull the lever, and the the thing starts spinning, and that's how my mind worked. I was I was in bed one night trying to brainstorm ideas for the podcast, and two ideas came to mind. It was either the COD Roundtable, which sounds pretty generic and simple, or I thought since I run a main AR, main AR most of the time on Black Ops 4 or any Call of Duty for that matter, since I run a main AR, there are many, many things that you have to do as a main AR, not only hold the spawns, but you also have to look at the long-range sights, the long-range lines of sight, and hold down certain lanes of the map. So I figured... Hold the Lane would be a pretty simple but also pretty in-depth name for a podcast. And you can interpret it in so many different ways outside of the game. So I personally fell in love with it right off the bat and started um, not even worrying about other names after that. I went from brainstorming names for the podcast to just writing out notes for the podcast with Hold the Lane as like a placeholder name, which obviously I'm now going to go with as the name 
for the for you know for the foreseeable future so that's pretty much it for the entire podcast i know that went a bit longer than you would expect we're about to hit an hour here but i think this is usually going to be like the bare minimum for my podcast is about an hour and obviously if i ever do get a co-host it's going to be way easier on me i know that i probably should like slow it down a little bit as far as um how fast i'm talking but i just know that i don't want to really fill up too much space of this podcast with just dead air of me uh either spacing out my words or thinking of something else to say i had a lot of content to cover in this podcast and i really wanted to get through all of it so i'll have a lot to talk about in the next podcast because we'll be talking about um some of the first round matchups and how they have gone down so far we'll probably let a few days of the playoffs go by before we do that and then um put out the next episode so i would expect the next episode to be i think like on friday of the 21st or something like that but we'll see how it goes we'll see how i can get access to certain equipment when i move back to school so yeah that's pretty much it for the entire podcast again i'm your host dalton floyd and this is the very first episode of hold the lane uh the more i say it the more i'm falling in love with the name um hopefully no one else has it because that would really suck so that's pretty much it. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you guys start coming back for more episodes, if, especially if you're a Call of Duty fan. Um, but that's pretty much it for me. If you have any questions, concerns, or topic suggestions, uh, definitely tweet me at DaltonFloyd67. That is D-A-L-T-O-N-F-L-O-Y-D 67 on Twitter. And that is about it. That was the first episode of Hold the Lane. Hope you guys all have a wonderful day and come back for episode two next week.